Welcome to Don't Get Left Out in the Cold from M&R Plumbing and Heating, the podcast for tradespeople by tradespeople. Let's be honest, it's hard to grow your trade-based business. One minute you're on the tools and the next you are required to become a business person. It is a tough journey and this podcast is designed to help you understand that transition. Now, here is your host, Mick Norris. Hi, welcome to Don't Get Left Out in the Cold. Um, I'm your host, Mick Norris. I'm just sat here with Joseph Valenti. I've got some questions and answers going out for the next 30 minutes. Just want to pick his brains a little bit about his journey, what he's done, what he's about, what his vibe's about. Kind of know what his vibe's about, but ultimately, just basically, Joe. So can you tell me when you first started and got into the industry and what it was like and, you know, what it was like for a young lad? I know a little bit about you that you left school or you got kicked out of school at the beginning. So could we start on that, really? Yeah, look, thanks for having me on, Mick. I'm really excited to be here. Now, okay, how did I get started in the industry? It kind of started at 15. You know, I was expelled from school. Um, In the town that I grew up in, you know, nobody um, really went to university. So a lot of the kids that I hung around with and I was friends with all got into trade, you know, and the older guys that I knew, um, they'd got into trades and... Um, I saw that there was a lot of money to be made in plumbing. You know, when I was 15 years of age, people said that you could make £50 an hour as a plumber and £50 an hour as a plumber to me at 15 um, was like multi-millions of pounds um, from where I grew up. And, you know, when I was expelled, I started hanging around um, with some, you know, uh, shady people um, that were older than me. And so I found a lot of my time just being spent with them. And, you know, I realized and looked around that I was with these 19, 20, 21 year olds that were hanging around in the park in the daytime with really no ambition or no, not, not going anywhere fast. So I thought I've got to do something here or my life's just going to end up down the pan. Um, I'm going down the wrong. I'm going down the wrong path. And so there was a guy that was 25 years old um, that everybody looked up to in the area that I grew up. He, he always had good-looking girlfriends. He had you know a nice BMW, and he just started his own plumbing business. So I went and approached him, and I said, "I look, Darren, can I come and work for you for a year for free? I'm supposed to be in school, but I've got nothing else to do. So I don't want paying. I just want experience." So he agreed, um, and I literally went and worked for him. He was like, you know, my older brother, like a father figure to me. Mentor, yeah, mentor. I really looked up to. You know, my dad left when I was 13, and um, he kind of just was that guy for me that I wanted to be like. So had so much respect and admiration for him um, that, you know, I did whatever he asked me to do. And I went to work every day and I was on time and I worked super hard. And I kind of just really got into plumbing. I say I fell into it, like many of us, you know, you just end up going down that path. Mostly it was because I thought there was an opportunity to make a lot of money and because I respected him and he had nice things, I thought that was the way. And so, you know, I went and worked for him for a year for free and at 16 put me into college and started paying me and that's where the journey began really. So just before, touching on just before you got on The Apprentice, mm-hmm. so what point did you say, you know what, this great, this mentor's been fantastic, he's got me where I need mm-hmm. to be, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on my own. At what yep. point and how did you do that? Great question. Well, funnily enough, I actually had seven apprenticeships in two years from 16 to 18 um, with only three months into working with Darren. Something went wrong with the business and he had to shut it down. So a whole story happened where I had to go and find seven apprenticeships. I'd take the whole podcast up if I told you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But what I will say is I only got fired from one of those apprenticeships. So for anybody watching, okay, I was a machine at finding apprenticeships when everybody 
everybody said they were like gold dust. So I went through apprenticeship, different apprenticeships. I ended up at 18 working for a new build company that just did um, McCarthy and stonework. So it was old people's home. So they only had electric heaters and baths. They didn't it's do limited gas. knowledge. Yeah, so I had to go to one of these um, gas colleges where you pay £6,000 to um, you know go through it. But I had the plumbing knowledge because I've been doing it since I was 15. So I understood heating from all the different people that I'd worked with. I worked with so many different people. I got such a well-rounded experience from industrial to commercial and so on that I had the knowledge. They, I just couldn't do the ticket through college with them because they, um, they only did electric. So I paid six grand when I moved to Rotherham for um, like three months when I was 19 um, and quit the plumbing job that I was on because I saw that just doing plumbing was going to be okay but to be elite you needed gas to get the real money you needed yeah, gas yeah, yeah. you know is yeah. what everybody said from the industry so I did that 19 qualified gas engineer then fast forward to 22 um, you know I'd kind of been working for a business I was doing good money 50 grand a year I was doing really well at 22 I'd had a nice it's girlfriend it's amazing at 50 grand a year really at 22 that's crazy yeah it was it yeah. was really you know to go you know expelled from school at 15 everyone thought I was going to prison and then my life was over and um, you know I was just going to become this um, bum nobody criminal um, yeah basically yeah. Um, it was a good turnaround a turnaround that I was very very proud of um, and um I just got to 22 and I was servicing like 14 boilers a day. You know, a social housing contract, they're making me do, do it so fast and the money was okay, but I was literally going there going, God, I've got to go and do another 14 of these tomorrow. And I found myself trying to get out of any single service that I could, hoping the customer wasn't in so I didn't have to do it and it was uh, miserable. Um, and so I was like, I've got to do something. And then there, it was that Christmas that my mum got me Lord Sugar's autobiography for um, Christmas. And I hadn't read a book since like year five. Um, but because I was a mad apprentice fan, I read this book um, and it just changed me. You know, you know the guy that I am now, but I wasn't into personal development then. I wasn't into, um, you know, training myself. Granted, I'd, what I'd grown in the plumbing world. I didn't know about improving me or seeing bigger opportunities. And I felt that, Everybody that had a real big opportunity um, or that was truly successful came from wealth or came from a silver spoon world or came from a world that I wasn't able to access um, because everybody around me my whole life had told me that these things weren't possible uh, or the people around me weren't making them possible for themselves. So it's difficult for me to see how possible these things actually were, if that makes sense. You know, and that goes, the lesson there is who are you hanging around with? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future um, is a very, very um big um, point for so many to know but then I, I read this book and it just changed my DNA I can't describe what it did for me it just um, sent me into this world of I can't sleep I'm going to go and build this plumbing empire Sugar did it came from a council estate in London he had no money and then I realised that reading that book that I'd put success on a pedestal yeah, I'd put success around the being achievable. Billionaire, yeah. I, I, I made it. Un, I made it unachievable because I made excuses. Yeah, as to why um, I made excuses as to why um, I made excuses as to why. I wasn't going to be able to get there because there were all these reasons that, you know, circumstance had put in my way. But then all of a sudden I realised that actually it was because he did it. He came from nothing and built billionaire wealth. And literally, you read his book, it's an incredible story. What you see is what you get. But you also will realise from that that he had nothing special. He didn't have anything that me and you or anybody in this room or anybody out there doesn't possess. 
yeah, we've all got the same opportunity. You know, I know that's a controversial statement sometimes. People say, well, not everybody has, but listen, most of us have got the same opportunity, right? We can walk, we can talk, we can create and take action. So I looked at it and I said, I'm going for it. Literally went online to Tesco's with my 50 grand a year salary. I took out a home improvement loan, not a business loan, a home improvement loan. Yeah, didn't have a business plan, quit the job and and went to work. And that's when Impragas was born. That's great. Sounds amazing. Amazing journey that. So when would you say at that point, you know, what, how many, when you set the company, how long did it take you to get, didn't you, off memory, I think you said you had five, five mm-hmm. vans on the road, yep. did you? So from 22 to what age was you at five grand, say turning over 600,000 a year? Yeah. Okay, good. So it happened extremely quick for me. And, and I was um, thinking that it was going to take time to build a business. I had no, I thought, you know, in a couple of years, I'll get an office. In a couple of years, I'll hire people. The reality is the strategy that I went for, yeah, I realized if I'm going to grow a business, yeah, I need leads, yeah, or I need demand. And so um, I went to property management companies. That was my strategy. I thought, if I can win a contract from these guys, because I'm not going to win social housing contracts because I'm too small, but property management companies, companies are like in between be needing to be regulated and not yeah Yeah, they'll give you a contract they don't need all of the paperwork and experience the turnover and everything else so I decided to hit those guys um, and I hit them in the first week but it was something that I'd seen a a few years previous Charlie Mullins who you know I did a podcast with recently and hopefully he'll be on your podcast soon um uh, I saw a documentary that he did, you know, and his was about changing the perception of how um, tradespeople showed up. So I knew if I was going to enter into this space that I was going to have to do something that was never been done before. The simplest way to get ahead in business is to do what the competition aren't doing, is my um, motto. And so I uh, took £500 of the 15000 that I borrowed. I bought a pinstripe suit, my first ever suit. I bought a shirt, a tie a briefcase, and an umbrella. Yeah, one of those umbrellas with the curved wooden yeah, handle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd never, I, and I'd, I, I never had anything in the briefcase, but I walked around with the briefcase like it was full of important business documents, yeah? It was an empty briefcase. And I literally walked up and down the high streets in Peterborough, going into these estate agents, looking like a um, city bank canary wharf trader, walking in there and just pitching, hi, I'm Joseph Valente from Imbragas, offer 24-hour breakdown service, maintenance repair, um, I'm the new um, guy in town, and blah, 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 blah. And these guys were just looking at me like, who on earth is this young 22-year-old dressed like a banker um, coming in here and just pitching to us without even asking to speak to anybody? Oh, he's so ambitious and so inexperienced. It actually, I think, did me inexperienced in winning, in winning business, Yeah. And they looked at me and they said, I'm, yeah, really sorry, but we don't have anything, but we'll take your card and everything else. And that was on the first day. And I thought that I was just going to nail it. I thought that I'm going to walk in there and they're just going to hand me over the contract. I was like, that's how I'd put it. I'd, I'd done it in head. my mind. Yeah. And then um, I realized very quickly that wasn't the case. Yeah, and then I was like, hang on, this ain't going to be as easy as thought it's going to be. Where am I going to get the work from? So I did a couple of jobs off Facebook and all of that type of stuff. I uh, did a contract in Dave, my previous company. I was like, 
right, I'm going back, I'm going back. So I didn't buy another suit, I just changed the shirt and borrowed my stepdad's tie to make it look a little bit different. And then I went straight back in there. And out of the 50 that I went and saw, okay, 48 of them said to me, We've, we told you that we would contact you, please don't keep coming back here, right? And then um, two of them said, I'm so glad you came back. We weren't too sure who you were the first time, but now you're back. Actually, we do really need you. I was like, what? And then they were like, we really need you. When can you start? I was like, well, I can start as soon as I can go home now and start, right? And then um, they were like, okay, great. What's your email address? We're going to send you some works orders. Went to the next one. Yeah, this one, the first one had 400 homes on contract. Yeah, went to the next one. Massive. And then they had 600. And they were like, thank God you've come back. Yes, we do really need you. And we weren't sure. And that was the one of the biggest lessons in business that I ever learned about um, persistence. People give up way too easy. And just by going back, I rejected by 48 of the 50. But the two that I did got changed my life forever. Now... I went home, got changed. I'm not joking. I got back and there were 40 works orders in my inbox. The next day came again, another 40 nude works orders. And it was coming. I worked from 6 a.m. till 11 p.m. 6 a.m. till 11 p.m. In all these rental homes. And it was middle of winter, right? And all of the board broken down borders. They had no contractors that could fix it. And I was a good breakdown engineer at the time. I had a really good mentor in the space, um, a guy called Mark Davey. So I knew how to fix stuff right and so I just went out and fixed all of these boilers and so to answer your question um I hired my first apprentice within seven days because I was like, oh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do all of this. Got my first apprentice in seven days. He was 16 um, and incredible young guy, really good. Stayed with me for two years, put him through his apprenticeship. Had my first plumber within a month because I just had so much work. It was unstoppable. I got an office above an estate agent within three months. It was £300 a month and it was their old storeroom above the shop floor. And there were two reasons I did that. One, because I had a wallpaper pasting table set up in my bedroom that I was going home and working on at 2am in the morning organising all these works orders and number two I thought if I make get an office in the estate agents with the 600 home contract they'll never kick me out yeah Yeah? Um, and then so it just evolved from there and then I hit 25 years of age, and that's when I was doing half a million a year. Seven plumbers, office above an estate. Was that conquered. when you went on The Apprentice? Sorry to interrupt. Was that when yeah. you went on The Apprentice? So just moving on to that. So um, I also know a little bit about you. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing at that point you thought, right, I've got to this stage. Mm-hmm. And where I am, I'm now going on The Apprentice. But hang on a minute, I've got this business. How do I give up this business now for? Is it, how many weeks was it that you're on The Nine Apprentice? Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Yeah. Long time at your own business. And if I don't nail The Apprentice, but you're, you know, you've always kind of said that you knew you was going to win it when you went in it. Mm-hmm. That was your attitude. Mm-hmm. So just talk to me a little bit about that journey mm-hmm. from when you went from, right, see you later to the girls in the office who ever work for you, to the lads. I'm going in The Apprentice. You run it while I go in The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about what, what, what that was like and what that was about. Cool. Great question. Um, the reason I applied for The Apprentice was because I'd hit my ceiling. Yeah, I was 25, I was running this business, I was working night and day, seven days a week, but I had no systems, no processes, and I only had one part-time lady working for me um, in the office. And it was it was burying me, to be honest. It was burying me. I was steam- I was making money. I had a nice car, nice girlfriend. I was getting to see my mates on a you know a Saturday evening for a couple of hours um, a, w- a week and... 
Um, you know, and so it wasn't the greatest life at that point. And I just, I'm getting a bit sick of this. I need to do something to get to the next level. Um, and um, applying for me was a way to tick the three things that I needed to grow, right? That was cash. Yeah, I knew I needed investment. Mentorship, because I needed new experience. I needed new knowledge to get to the next level. I did not know how to grow any further. Um, you know, I hit my half a million. I didn't know how to get to a mill. And I needed exposure, attention. And The Apprentice gave all three. 250 grand from Lord Sugar. He bought half the business. Mentoring a billionaire for two and a half years. And um, nine million people a week seeing who I was and my business brand. So I ticked all those boxes. But... They were allowed me to tell four people that I was a, that I was on the show. Yeah, that I could go, that I needed to go on the show. I told my mum, I told my girlfriend, I told my best friend, and I told Debbie. Debbie was an amazing woman, and she's in her fifties. She'd worked at a previous plumbing company that I worked at, and I recruited her from there. She was a superwoman. She could do everything. Yeah, she could do bookkeeping, organising, keep the engineers in track. You know, all everything. So, like one of our Lindsays. Yeah, like Lindsay. Yeah, and she was amazing, right? And so um, she only worked three days a week. And I said to her, "Look, Debbie, uh, I've got this opportunity to go on to the Apprentice. Right? There's 18 other candidates on there." Right, and I've got to go for nine weeks. If I make it to the end, I'll go for nine weeks. I really think I can win, um, but the, my worry is that I spent three years building this, and I, and it could fall to the ground unless you can step up. And she looked back at me and she said, "Of course, I'll do it for you. This is your once in a lifetime, and I believe in you, and I know that you're going to do it." And she just immediately said that, and literally, she ran my business for two and a half months. And you know, you know, what a reactive maintenance companies oh, like to yes, run for property so. management companies on demand, wanting you, wanting you there, tenants, landlords, everyone screaming. It's a tough old gig that type of business to run anyway. Um, and so she stepped up and she took it all on and ran all the guys and everything else without me. And my phone rang a thousand times a day from everybody, you know, like many of us um, in the trade will experience. It was just non-friggin' stop all the time. And so I was like, how on earth is am I going to get rid of this and give it to her? You know, and, and at that point, the office were taking a lot of calls, actually, because um, she was doing a really good job. But my phone would still ring so much. But um, she said, yeah, I'll do it for you. And the thing, the decision really was easier than I thought. And I think, you know, this is hopefully a good lesson for many, is that you know what tomorrow looks like. Yeah, but a new opportunity, yeah, could take you to a destination that you've never been to before. And I knew what tomorrow looked like. And actually, I knew that if I went away for nine weeks and my business collapsed, I'd rebuild it in no time at all. Yeah, I knew that I could. I knew this game inside out. It was easy for me, really, to so do it. So it wasn't you feel time. like it was a risk, I suppose, at that point, did you? It, it felt like a big risk, but it really wasn't a risk because I did genuinely believe unconditionally that I was going to win. It was like there was just nothing on my mind that ever thought that I was going to lose. So I knew that when I went there, it was going to win. There was no other outcome that ever I considered that loss, losing was even a was even an, an option for me. So that gives you an unwavering self-confidence that everything is going to be okay. But genuinely, if it wasn't plan B, I would just rebuild it. Or at the time, funnily enough... I actually had started a property company um, and me and Chris, who were partners in this, we were starting to develop property, do HMOs, and that's a very lucrative business. You know, if I'd have gone down that road, I'd probably be 10 times richer than I am right now um, Over if I'd have done 10 years in property rather than 10 years in the construction industry. Um, 
And, you know, the construction industry is a great vehicle um, to get to the next level or to invest in the next thing. Um, but, um, you know, I, I would have done that. I probably would have just come back and just gone full time into property. Um, so it just so happens that, you know, obviously I went away and managed to pull it off. And I came back. Um, it was a strange. It was really strange because I came back in June after being away for nine weeks, I had to tell all the agents, funny story, right? I emailed the agents on the Sunday night, all of them, saying that my auntie's really ill. She lives on a goat farm in the mountains in Italy because um, I'm half Italian um, and that I was going away for a while and I didn't know when I was coming back. So after two weeks, Debbie's getting questions like, where is Joe? Is he okay? No one's heard from him. She was like, yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He spoke to me. Four weeks, they're like, Debbie, is Joe okay? Is he in hospital or is he in prison? Which one is it? Right? And then after six weeks, they're like, Debbie, something's going on here. No one's heard from Joe. Where is he? And she's having to defend yeah, all of these yeah. things Making the whole time. Um, yeah. Doing a really good job. And then after nine weeks, she was like, thank God you're back. Um, I can't, you know, everyone was just not buying where on earth you'd gone this whole time. You know, and I came back and she kept the business going. And right. another thing that I learned from that was, is that I wasn't as important to my business as I thought I was. And actually, I'd done indirectly a really good job of putting the right people in that could run my business without me. Um, and that was an incredible lesson, you know, and, and it didn't grow, but it didn't fold. Yeah, it sustained. maintained. Yeah, sustained. Yeah, so really, really incredible time. And then I came back, it was June, but the show didn't air until October. So for four months, I was literally in limbo, knowing that in a couple of months, my name was going to be hitting this show. And at the time, you know, them six years ago, it was probably at its peak when I went on it. Um, And so it was was big. So, right, you've won it. You've come out. What's your thoughts at that point? You've just walked out. You're thinking, shit, I've won this now. Kind of, kind of getting your personality got to mm-hmm. know you over the last 12 months. So I'm kind of guessing you're probably thinking, what next? Yeah. What do I do now? I've won this. This is my achievement. I've won it now. I've plateaued again or do I look higher mm-hmm. than that? So is that when you kind of started to look at being the national next biggest British mm-hmm. gas install? Is that when all that started to happen or, you know, you wanted mm-hmm. to compete against them? So in 2019, I think you won the... Yeah, the, the installer, didn't you? Yeah. The installer. So ultimately... National installer of the that, year. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So at what point... Was you thinking, right, what ne- what is next for my journey? So tell me a little bit about that at that point. Coming off the back of the show, it was really surreal, right? Because it goes from like October to December and then like the build-up and the hype was massive and like winning it. And in that December of 2015, you know, everywhere I was going, London, everywhere, everyone was taking pictures, wanting a piece of me, articles. It was fucking awesome. I loved it. It was the best. It was such an amazing buzz to be in the limelight. I absolutely loved it. I loved the attention from the women. I loved the attention from the business. I loved the attention from everyone. It was phenomenal. And then January came and I wasn't on TV anymore. And the hype started to die. And it was almost like, man, I've won this now. I put it on such a pedestal and I'd done something that was almost like, you know, it's the biggest accolade in UK business to win in any form of competition. So it was like, shit, I've done it now. And I I felt this massive crash, 
right? And it was like, wow, I'm down off that buzz now, and what on earth am I going to do next? I had to go back to running a plumbing company. You know, I was a superstar for a period of time. And then that's not degrading plumbing company. I think it's a fantastic industry and I love the market and I'm in the market still. It's just that it was like going back to running a normal business. And it was very strange. Back to real life. Yeah. And I I took it hard. It was difficult for me. Um, And then I went on this uh, mad journey of trying to find that high again. Um, and it was like, okay, what's next? Well, me and Lord Sugar, the plan was to build this national company, right? And that didn't happen for another three years after winning. But what happened next was I launched Expel from the Classroom to Billionaire Boardroom. I was like, right, what can keep my brand alive? What can keep it going? I want to have a number one best-selling book. Did that. Then I was applying for every entrepreneur award I could get my hands on just to feel that um, prestige and that buzz again. Did that. Then I did Social Entrepreneur Podcast. It got to the number one in the world. Did that. Then I did four thirty under 30 in Europe out of 18,000 people. People did that. And whatever I was doing, it didn't feel as good as that win. So it was really, really weird. I couldn't find anything big enough to replace it. Um, And then, you know, we took, I bought Lord Sugar out when I was um, 27. um, And then I went on to take that company national and one national installer. And again, that was a very big benchmark. But there was another strange feeling that I got, which I'd kind of never expected. And when I went up and collected that award, I felt the energy drain from my body because when I was 22 and started, I had such an obsession with becoming national. It was almost like you've done this now. It's mission accomplished. Feel like when Del Boy becomes a millionaire. Yeah. That sort of situation. Yeah. You don't know the chase no more, the fight. No, you've you've done it now. You've hit that point where, like, shit, where do I go from here? Yeah, yeah. Crazy journey, really, isn't it? It was. It was was really crazy. And, you know, and then it just, it was such a, it's such a, I think I'm still on that chase as well, to be honest. Like, it's. You think you always will be? I think entrepreneurs are, aren't they? They are. They're always looking for the next thing. Yeah. I mean, speaking from my own experience and myself, I never kind of feel really that I found my place or I've got where I'm going. I keep thinking, right, you've done this, you've done that, but you, you, you. you're holding yourself by me. The only person is yourself as well. Yeah. So I kind of think if you're an entrepreneur like you are, mm-hmm. I am other people around us are, you know, you've set up the trade mastermind, fantastic brand, doing really well, etc. When I've spoken to people on the trade mastermind, they've said the same thing. You know, you've hit the nail bang on the head right at the beginning. Lord Sugar didn't have anything different than mm-hmm. we've all got. The mm-hmm. only thing is, I think that we're actually taught and educated that this is your place in life. You don't, you know, you ask yeah. a child, don't you? you know, you've done a great job of that and they'll just reply straight back to you, I know I have. Mm-hmm. Whereas where you get modest from modest from modest mm-hmm. don't you beat yourself down, etc. So mm-hmm. so when you so we've now we've now done that, we've done all that. And now I believe you stood in your kitchen, aren't you, when you set up the trade mastermind mm-hmm. with a banner. So tell me a little bit about what made you think, hang on a minute, I've got all this experience I could really help Trace but so what 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 at what point made you think that's what I'm gonna do, that's what I'm going forward with this now? Well, you know, I took him to a national business and you and you know the story and I'm sure many people out there are going to be listening to this podcast um, when it launches and over the next few years this content's going to be around for a long time um, and it will rack up views as the years go on so I want to share my experience to make sure that people um, understand um, both the success and failure that can happen in business and you know when I hit 30 
all of those things that I told you that I'd recently gone for and achieved, I achieved them with ease, right? That's not arrogance. I literally achieved them with ease and they were in every sector, TV, books, podcasts, business. I felt like everything I touched turned to gold. And I was on this I was on this uphill trajectory. And at 30 years of age, Impro was a national company. It started to struggle financially. We were huge. Um, we um, operated in every city in the UK. I'd built a monster of a business. Um, and, you know, it was the first business that I'd ever built national. It happened in a very short period of time. You don't know what you don't know. And you've got lots of people around you advising you of this and that. And so, um, you know, mistakes happen when you grow in a business quickly and especially when you're doing it for the first time um so i want to make sure people get value from my mistakes the easiest way to learn is from other people's mistakes well impra came on challenging times and i knew that once we'd got national we really didn't have deep enough pockets to stay there um so i had a choice it was liquidate the whole business or it was to um sell part of the business yeah make sure all of the staff kept their jobs which i did um nearly 100 people went to this new company uh, make sure that all of the retained service and main maintenance contracts that we had were taken on by the new company they took all the liability for the new contracts um, so that was looked after and then I wanted to create a new co um, from the people buying it that was able to continue to trade with the suppliers um, that lost money from us having to liquidate part of the business so they would be able to recover and trade with them and that's what I was able to do Um, but I had to shut it down and exit you know and at 30 years of age I expected to exit that business for millions and millions. That was the plan, and it didn't happen. I exited with very little, um, and I had to start from zero almost, right? I didn't have a business anymore, but what I did have was a wealth of knowledge. That experience that I went through was unlike anybody's experience probably in this industry, I would say, at such a young, young, at such a young age and in such a short period of time. So I had all this knowledge and I was like, what went wrong for me? Well, first and foremost, I started as a plumber running a plumbing business. I wasn't a businessman running a plumbing business, so I was already at a disadvantage. Yeah. Then I grew quickly without the knowledge. That put me at a disadvantage. I had lots of opportunity that was a good opportunity that other people don't get, but that also made me um, work more for ego in some um, decisions rather than it did for probably what was right for the business. I wanted to build national to show I could do it rather than probably building national for the right reasons, I would say at times. So I looked at it and said, I can help tradespeople, right? I, I love motivation. I love training and development. I loved events. I really like the property world and the entrepreneur world that do that. And I said, I can go into that and I was going to go into that or I can do it in construction where the markets you untapped and unique and I can leverage my experience because I believe people will buy into me because they know I know what I'm talking about and I can relate it to trade which not a lot of people can do. So they're going to talk my language and they're going to, they're going to understand my tone. They're going to know I have the experience. And um, I want to make help plumbers become business people, construction people become business people, builders, electricians become business people. Um, and I needed to move quick. So I didn't, um, I didn't, um, you know, have a lot of time. I needed to replace my income, right? Um, and so I literally got some banners branded the name the trade mastermind I thought it was a cool name um, and I set up in my kitchen 
whacked out my smartphone, iPhone 11 or whatever it was at the time, um, got a whiteboard flip chart and wrote business growth strategy 2020. And then I did a half an hour live saying on all of my social channels saying, I'm going to help businesses get leads, make sales and do this. If you want to become a one-to-one coaching client of mine, um, uh, text this number and I remember just writing it on a piece of paper and whacking it in front of the camera text this number I do one hour coaching once a month yeah um, for you and then literally it just popped I think I got um, like five people off the back of that live sign up and at the time I charged a thousand pound an hour I'm gonna pay and I did it monthly over 12 months so I brought five, five grand a month income in consistent straight away for five Amazing. hours work a month then and within that same month in that January, I got it to 20,000 in recurring revenue, 20 hours of my time um, a month for just me coaching was 20,000 pounds a month I was bringing in. Um, and then I um, wanted to go into events and this was um, 2020 and we all know what happened in 2020. And in March, when I started doing events, um, the first event I ever did was in South Bank in London and the night before they stopped mass, ga- mass gatherings so I spent loads of money on promoting it bringing people Idiot. there I had 150 people signed up for the event and 10 showed up because they you know preach this message don't go anywhere it's super dangerous and so on and so forth so I did the event anyway and everybody in the room bought the package that I was selling and then I was like, right, what am I going to do now? Because that's kind of killed that and, you know, coaching's great and I love it. But there's only one of you, isn't there? Yeah, point? but there's only one of me and so I flipped online and actually for me, COVID was probably one of the best things that ever happened to the business because I flipped online, I created online training that was scalable, that I didn't have to personally deliver, that people could buy. Everybody was at home, so they were all watching my webinars. I did free webinars a week for um, a year and a half, relentlessly, um, non-stop live promotion, and just, I was doing 25, 30,000 pounds a week on a, on a webinar in an hour Jeez. of online Jeez. training, and it was 98% profit without leaving my apartment. I just could not believe what I was able to create in such a short period of time. And um, it was phenomenal. And so I just kept doing that. And then um, six months later, the business that I'd sold to um, and all the people went to work for came under struggle because of COVID. It basically shut it down. Um, so then and you've gone and picked them all back up. All the good people that I had yeah. came back yeah. to me. And at the time, I wasn't ready for them to join. But here's another lesson. Malvina, she'd been with me for seven years up until that point. I know her inside out. I'm very, very loyal and um, is incredible at what she does. Chris had been my right-hand man at Impra. I knew his skills. I knew he's like 50% of what I can't do. Um, and, and then there was Jack. Um, who'd ran my call centre, young guy, but very good. And I probably shouldn't have hired those guys at that time because I didn't really need them, but they needed a job. And my loyalty to them, I said the day that I left, I can't take you with me, I'm afraid. You need to stay with the business um, to make sure that it stays along. But I promise I'll be back for you guys at some point because Sophie had come with me. and I basically got them all straight back into a job. Um, I started sharing all of the money that I was making with them from the trade. Spread Master the wealth. Mind. Yeah, spread the wealth. Chris became my business partner. You know, and that was for all of the years. I think they realized then that all them years where they had worked hard for me that I hadn't forgot. You know, and that I was true to the word that I was going to say that if we go together, we're all going to make it, not just kind of one of us, right? Um, and so they came and worked for me. And Chris became my business partner. 
you know, and now we're fast forward two years. We've done three million in sales in that period of time. We've created 25 jobs. We've launched three businesses. We've got five offices, 2,000 construction clients, doing Pretty a quarter amazing. of a million of a month at the moment. And, um, and so, yeah, it's been an incredible, incredible journey um, up until the point that, you know, I've got to meet you working with you and now we're helping you launch podcasts and stuff. So it really, you know, sky's the limit of what can be done, what can be achieved. Going back to that statement, what we said, the only people that hold us back is who is ourselves. Yeah. So you've just got to believe in yourself. Is that the most advice you'll take out of this to make sure that people believe in themselves? Yeah. Rather than saying they can't, they can. Always I can, Mm -hmm. I can, I can, and keep trying. Because eventually you will get where you need to go. Yeah, and and 100% believe in yourself. You know, remove your own limiting beliefs and put yourself out there. Like, this is incredible. You know, I'm so excited for you with this podcast. Thank you. You know, I think it's amazing that you've done this. um, And I genuinely believe, I'm super passionate that I think this is going to absolutely explode. You know, you've got a great um, wealth of experience. I think you fit this world quite well. Um, From you interviewing me, um, you know, you've got got it nailed down. And I think it's going to, but you're putting yourself out there you've invested money into out this of my, out of my comfort zone out of your comfort, out of your comfort zone. zone yeah incredible so you know this is going to be a lesson in itself for everybody watching this content in time to see how you explode in this market to see how your brand builds I'm excited to see that yeah, journey and me too again like look at the content that we are creating here right now this is going to stand the test of time it's going to be on YouTube so in five years you're going to be able to look back at it and it's going to be recorded to see how it evolves um, crazy, crazy. You know, so it's going to be, um, it's going to be absolutely awesome. And you know, people in construction, it's a hot, hot market right now. You know, it's untapped, it's new, um, it's fresh. There's a lot of opportunity. You know, the trade masterminds driving huge change. I think we're making people believe in themselves and see the opportunity and showing them what's not been done before and making people see that. You, you're fantastic tradespeople. Most people are. You know, I was a fantastic tradesperson, but I was not a good business person, and I knew nothing about business. Um, and when I got my first couple of hands and I had my first few people, that's when I hit my ceiling because I couldn't take yeah. anymore. I didn't know anything well, else. Well, like you said, very importantly, when we was having a conversation at one of your events, is that. You go and if you're a doctor, you do a degree. If you're um, a gas engineer, you train about gas. One thing you don't train about mm-hmm. is being a businessman. You yep. wing it to a point where you become a businessman and then go, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. What mm-hmm. do I need to do? How can I change this? And you're kind of learning, aren't you, from people all the time. And if you get you know, a little bit of advice of one person, it contradicts that person. Mm-hmm. And you assume just because that they've kind of, how can I put it, they, they've kind of give you that advice that's going to work. It doesn't work because you, you, you're not with the, the right-minded people because mm-hmm. they've kind of just winged it as well. So you definitely do need to be around people, like you said, Lord Sugar, people who've done it, who can say, hang on a minute, listen to me. That's kind of how it goes, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? You've got to be educated. And you've educated quite a few people. You know, I've, I've seen that with my own eyes about how things work and you have your disbelievers, your believers, etc. But I think you're doing a cracking job. Absolutely yeah. fantastic job, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, you're absolutely spot on. Um you're absolutely spot on and it's about it's about um, realising like you know and we talked just before this you know a lot of us are in our own way you know we're holding ourselves back we're in the way of allowing the business to grow because we think we need to be the one to lead it but sometimes micromanaging yeah micromanaging can, can hold it back I like micromanaging. I yeah, am a micromanager, yeah. control freak, omnipresent, need to know everything that goes on. Do you on. kind of interrupt um, everybody? Because I do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I do that a lot. I interrupt. 
Is, 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 uh, some people say don't do it and then again you know somebody like Cardone he's got like three billion dollars worth of real estate he's big training businesses that guy's like alright micromanage everything right I micromanage everything and then you've got someone like Branson who's like you know you need to your people to do it for you and I am I'm currently going through some personal development where I'm realising that I like to do the micromanaging and probably the reason that I micromanage more than I should is that I probably didn't hire um, some of the right people in the right positions where I truly had the confidence that they could just do the job. Yeah, or giving them the right guidance to just do the job. Um, and, and that probably is where now I realise that you know, I'm going to I'm going to strategically hire rather than just wild off the cuff Winging hire because I want to scale. Um, and I've been very guilty of you know bringing in people to scale, wanting them to work out, knowing that they probably weren't the right fit. Rather than you know they they had the they told me they had the experience, they told me they got the job title and everything else. And you know you do a bit of an interview and a bit of background and you just hire them off the back of that without really because you're desperate, too I guess, much. aren't you? You're desperate. Yeah. To- or you're desperate to get them staff, so probably better off to hold off a little bit more and be more selective who yeah. choose. Yeah, be, be strategic and you know empower people, but make sure that you trust those people to do the job as well. Is really really important. You know, there's pe- a lot of people here that I do just trust to get on with stuff, and you know that when it comes back, it's going to get done. Um, and even that, you know, I still like to micromanage the detail. And a lot of the time I micromanage the detail because I want things to get done right first time rather than have to go through three variations of checking whether it's right or not. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. So that is sometimes comes down to personality and stuff. Fantastic. Um, so just to wrap things up and stuff, what's your plans for the future? Or are you going to divulge a little bit more about what you're going to be going further on with? Yeah, so um, I'm just trying to think bigger at the moment. I'm 32 and a half. Um, I want to be. Um, I want to have a company that's worth 100 million by the time I'm 35. So me and Chris are on that mission together. Um, and the Trade Mastermind has developed to the Trade Group, which is becoming a one-stop shop for construction businesses. We've you know built Trade Recruit, and that's a fully-fledged recruitment company now. We've just about to launch Trade Finance. Trade Finance, which is a partnership between us and a um, very well-respected accountancy firm. So we're setting up a new company in construction accounting. Um, we've got Trade Social in the pipeline, which will be a marketing business that we're um, having, ha- um, getting to launch. We've launched Trade Coach, which is going to be like a um, licensed coaching brand across the country getting senior business people or retired business owners that have the experience training them up on the coaching the construction way and then um, helping them to get their own coaching clients um, so got lots and lots in the pipeline um, I want to really focus on my personal brand again um, and really drive that and create some opportunity I do want another TV show this time I want to be the host um, so I've got a few concepts around that and I just want to make sure that I'm, on, I'm living the potential you know I get most demotivated when nothing's happening or only a little bit is happening or I feel busy but nothing's happening if that makes getting, sense not getting forward you're not yeah, getting forward yeah when you're not getting forward, forward. When you're just doing the same thing every single day and showing up just to maintain, like that's literally not what I'm about. I need creation and constant um, goals to chase, or I become depressed and absolutely miserable. Um, so I know that now about myself. I'm, I'm experienced enough to realize what keeps me high and what takes me low. 
um, and always moving forward. Create, 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 create is what gives me the buzz. You know, you look at Branson, right? He just moves. He moves. Do the, he does the PR, the fun stuff, the ideas, Next. the team. Then he puts in his MDs and all the stuff to do the business. Now, I love business, but I'm not really an MD. You know, I'm not corporate. I'm not structured. Um, I'm not organized. Um, I like the creation and the CEO. The front part, and, I guess. The front yeah, part. The, front, the, front, the front, the front, the front man, front. the yeah. front man, and you know that's a, that's a, a just you know I know we're going to wrap it, but and that's just another one is to know your strengths, know what you're good at, and don't think that you've got to do everything. Like you know, just because I'm the business owner, it doesn't mean I've got to be able to create video or do finance or run ops or you know do the admin or whatever. You're right. A good businessman, right, or a good MD, good CEO, they bring in the people and then they manage the people. They're better than you. They're the better than you. You're better at the job. Yeah, 100%. Mm. But I got into the realms many years ago that I thought I had to do everything. But the aim of the game for everybody scaling up in business is for me is to make yourself redundant as quickly as possible. And I want to give back. My aim is always to give back all of the tasks that I don't like doing or I'm no good at. I'm a sales and marketing, and that's where I need to be positioned. Um, and that's where I'm always trying to get back to. And that's probably another reason why I've absolutely gone insane on the Trade Mastermind. You know, it's taken me seven days a week to build this thing up into where it is right now. It wasn't an easy journey. I went for the last two years, I've done seven days a week, nonstop, 14-hour days, to get it off the ground to that level, especially off coming off the back of, you know, starting from zero and kind of failing and you know that was a dark place to pull myself out of if I'm really honest it really was tough um uh, but I've I've grown so quickly because I want to get back to where I was used to being in Impra and, yeah. the, and the role that I had there. I'm trying to level back up to that position. So that's probably another reason why um, speed has been a big part of making this happen. Great. Brilliant. Well, thanks for um, joining me today. It's Thank you, Sam. Fantastic. Excellent great stuff. experience. Good, and just for those listening, I will sign us off. Go follow me on um, Instagram, TikTok, all those platforms at Mr. Joseph Valente and visit um, www.trademastermind.co.uk. Thanks, Mick. Great, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Get Left Out in the Cold with Mick Norris. If you have enjoyed this show, then please support the podcast by leaving a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. For more information on M&R Plumbing and Heating, click the link in the show notes now.